as I was speaking to a customer last week, um, and, and you'll find there's, there's customers are very interesting in their analogies. They use the Goldilocks complex when they were talking about the three hyperscale partners. One had too much capability, one didn't have enough, and one was just right. I thought that was hilarious that they started off with one had too much capability. And, and what they were really trying to say was their level of maturity to, to really take advantage of it. They're just not ready. They're not there yet. Well, welcome to Cloud Talk, everyone. I'm so glad that you've taken time to listen to this week's episode. That's right. We put one of these babies out every single week. So if you haven't already subscribed, make sure that you do that in your podcasting app of choice. Now, in this episode, we explore cloud adoption in the Far East. And the voice you just heard was Antoine Acklin. He is one of our leaders at Rackspace who makes his home in Australia, but he serves the entire APJ region. And we talk about how cloud adoption is being shaped by culture and geography and of course the pandemic as always make sure that you stick around after the interview for some important information as well as a preview of next week's episode and without any further delays welcome to cloud talk welcome to cloud talk here's your host jeff diverter so if you are somebody who is a regular listener, you'll know that we just did an episode recently on diversity and inclusion. And that's how do you bring diverse minds, diverse thoughts into your work environment so that you can uh, better, you know, it basically gives you a great leg up because the diversity of thought, diversity of mind, diversity of experience has a great and very real tangible input impact on business. Well, sometimes it's great to bring people from far, far away over into your business inside of your, your place. And sometimes we send them very far, far away. And today I am joined by Antoine Acklin, a racker who is out of our APJ region. Uh, Antoine, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jeff. I am glad you're here. This, you know, we've done uh, interviews with folks who are far away and a couple of time zones away, but never somebody who was a day away. It's your Friday. It's Thursday afternoon here. You're Friday morning there. Happy Friday to you. Uh, happy Thursday evening to you. Friday's <laughs> great. It, it, it'll be here when you get here. Okay. Is it a good day so far? Do I have something to look forward to? It's a fantastic day. Sun's out, not a cloud in the sky. Sitting on the boat, as you see, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, before we dig into the meat of the matter, we should probably let people know a little bit about you and uh, maybe a little bit about background. What you tell us, you know, obviously you're a Rackspace employee, but a little bit about your job, a little about your, you know, where you are in the world. I don't want to steal your thunder there. So, so take it away. So as you said, Antoine Acklin, um, I am here in beautiful Melbourne, Australia. Um, I've been here. This will be going into year nine. Um, as you can tell, originally from the U.S., uh, spent a lot of time all over the U.S., uh, call Florida home. Um, but a little bit about me is uh, I'm a consultant's consultant. Um, I've spent most of my adult years traveling the world, building consulting organizations and really just trying to drive value for customers. And isn't that what we're all in, in the business to do? And that is to drive value for customers um, through our goods and services and the things that we have. Now, it, you you t you say you know, you know, I set up this whole thing. Somebody from far, far away is going to be on on the show, and um, and you sound just like me. Uh, you don't come in with the rich, thick accent, but that's okay because when we were doing our little prep call, uh, I made a similar joke, and you said, "But English really isn't your first language. Would you consider your first language?" 
It's not. It's not. Spanish is, right? So I've, I had a really, really good friend growing up and um, used to go over to his house all the time and he spoke Spanish and his mother would not let me speak Spanish in her house. So I had to learn, uh, sorry, wouldn't let me speak English. So I had to learn Spanish. So there's, there's a running joke that Spanish is my, my mother tongue, as we say. That is so funny. Are you still friends with that guy today? Oh, absolutely. We, we spoke last night, as a matter of fact. In Spanish? In, in Spanish. English. No, in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck with you. That's fantastic. So uh, you lead um, kind of that that anything post that pre and post sale experience at Rackspace uh, on the technical side. Tell us a little bit what that job actually is and what it entails. So my team um, really takes a customer through the entire life cycle with Rackspace from the time our our sales teams. Um, recognize an opportunity, we can involve technically. So we sit with with the customers and we try to understand the business problem and break that into technology solutions on a pre-sale side. Um, once we have an engagement with that customer, it then passes on to the other side of, of, uh, of my business, which is around how do we onboard that customer? How do we care and feed for that customer? And then ultimately, how do we deliver value for that customer, whether it be through engagements or through things like assumptions where we're just taking over management and care uh, of their estate. Got it. Now you're, you're located down in Australia, but your remit is that entire region, Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere. Basically, if there's an ocean around it, you're responsible for it. Yeah, so I, I like to tell people from Asia to Hawaii and all parts in between. Incredible. Um, you know, and it's, I'm really having a little trouble feeling sorry for you with that as well, but you're, you're in a beautiful part of the world. Um, but, but that brings with it, you know, we just talk about the geography that you have to cover. That's a challenge in what you do, but there's also challenges and I say challenge because it's different than, than what really you've been going for a while, but from what, you know, us in the quote unquote Western world might, might view of how we do business. So, so let's dip into that just a little bit. What is, what is it like? Um, now, now this is all pre COVID let's, well, we're going to save COVID for, for sure. a little bit later, but what is sure. business like? How, what is, what does it take to go through that process with someone that might be different that we could, you know, let my little Western listeners understand a little bit more about. So when you think about this part of the world, um, the opportunity that is here is really a face-to-face conversation or a face-to-face relationship. Um, customers really rely on trust. Um, I know in the Western world, there's a there's a little cliche that says people don't buy uh, products, they buy from people. And that's no more true than in this part of the world. Um, I remember a few years back, I was working for a big, large multinational, um, and we did business in China. And I remember having to literally go to Beijing and sit across from the guy to get the deal done. We'd done probably 20, 30, you know, video conferences. I had my team go and sit down with him, but he wanted to literally look me in the eye, shake my hand and get that commitment in person. And you see a lot of that in this part of the world. Um, And like I said, that creates some opportunities to really form true relationships with our customers and true partnerships, but it also presents some challenges because you can't be in every place all the time. Um, so scale is is a little bit of a concern for us, um, but I, I love it because you get to meet interesting people. You get to really learn about their business, not just from what you read in maybe a prospectus or in a, a financial report, but you really get to sit down with them and kind of walk through what their day-to-day challenges are. And once you've once you form that bond, 
you really have a good attachment to that customer. See, I think um, while that's very different than what we're used to here, I think that that's definitely the way things used to be here until we started running so very, very fast. And I miss it um, or, or would appreciate it more because I think this world um, lacks that, that one-to-one communication and that trust building of, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to send you a contract and, and expect that your written word is, name is going to be you know, the bond, but I'm gonna, I love the fact that you say, I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to agree with you that you and your company will provide services for me. Absolutely. It's, it's a commitment, right? It's, uh, I've, I've had one customer who's in Singapore tell me it's no different than a commitment of marriage, right? You can get married online. You can get married over the phone, but you come together, you actually commit to each other eyeball to eyeball. And I thought that was really representative of how he felt a partnership should actually um, right. be engaged in, right? He, he wanted that commitment, that, as we say, skin in the game. So I appreciate it. Um, a lot of our customers in this world, like I said, expect that. So this is what we do at Rackspace. We go to our customers and we meet them where they are, whether yeah. they're, whether that's, you know, in their office, in a restaurant, on their cloud journey, we will meet you where you are right. and help you along your way. Okay, um, so you're obviously can't call you a road warrior. You'd sink as you go from one place to another. Uh, but you are you certainly spend your fair time in or have spent your fair time in airplanes. Favorite place you've traveled for work? Where did we send you that you just said, "Oh darn"? For work, wow that 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 is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um... Toughest place for work would have to be Mauritius. Mauritius, why? Uh, beautiful country. Uh, you know what you see or what you read before you get there is it's kind of a developing country, but yeah, very developed when you get there. Beautiful people, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of a microcosm of what um, what's going on in Africa. Yeah, um, so it's a little island see- off the western coast, kind of down south. Off the eastern coast. Eastern uh, coast, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Basic geography. Sorry. <laughs> and it's a uh, it's beautiful place. Like I said, beautiful people, and there's a lot to do in terms of business and culture. So you would think okay. it'd just be a resort town, but a lot of people go there and they run their businesses from that location. So you may find somebody who's running a medical supply company there, or someone who's actually running a bit of manufacturing from that location. Yeah. So it's got everything. Um, and it's a beautiful part of the world. So a, a little bit of work and play. Good friend of mine who is South African, lives in London. His wife is from Mauritius. So that's... Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. So he would, he would disappear for two weeks. They go on vacation for two weeks every year down there. Um, all right. So you set this great stage, this old world mentality of look somebody in the, in the eye, shake their hand, agree to them um, that, that you will stand behind this contract that, that is going to at some point land on their desk. Um, but you can't do that right now. Um, what is this doing to business in the APJ region? It's making it a bit more, it's making it tougher for us to do deals. We're, we're still, um, we're still growing and we're still engaging with customers, but we're having to change our tact, Mm. um, which means we're having to spend more one-on-one time. Normally, when I would go to a customer, there'd be a room of people, maybe six or seven people, and we'd have this kind of conversation. So now I'm spending more of my time one-on-one with executive stakeholders. Um, And 
getting into, you know, the personal relationship aspects of it. So a lot of my Zoom calls aren't necessarily, let's talk about your business problem. It's more, let's talk about your kids. How are you doing in this COVID um, environment? How are you staying safe? And and we talk about life in general. And that's just another way of forming that bond. Mm -hmm. We, We do get to business, but it's an after the fact type conversation. Yeah. I like that. So where you would normally go into a room where there's six or seven people, now is that six or seven phone calls to build that relationship with, with everyone? It is six or, or seven calls. phone calls. It, yeah, it, it is six or seven you know, video calls. Um, some of the customers and, and some of the cultures that we work in are very hierarchical. So you do have to talk to one guy, then talk to the next lady and talk to the next person up yep. the chain. Um, and like I said before, I don't mind doing that. I, I think that's... Um, for me, that's inspiring because you get to see different perspectives as you traverse the tree, Um, but you also get to build those relationships and those relationships are just like roots. They spread and they grow. And, Mm. you know, as you talk to one person in financial services, they may have a friend or a relative that works in utilities and you start to grow that network out. Yeah. Okay. Super interesting. So, um, so Let's talk about let's let's get back into the cloud a little bit here, sure. um, and and you know most of the of the listeners of the program are U.S. based or uh, America's based, uh, with a fair amount in U.K. as well. And I would say cloud adoption is generally similar uh, across those two markets. But but where is the the market uh, from a technology adoption curve in APJ? And don't feel and, and let's go broad brush and then let's talk about areas where we think it's it's farther along than others. So yeah, so fair enough. So when you look at technology and APJ, we, as a whole, are early adopters. Mm. So we are, as I said, as a whole, we are the type of, of region that loves to play with, test with, be on the edge or before the edge of the curve. We don't mind getting a little bloody. We don't mind having the early failures because we know we'll have early successes as well. So when you translate that into technology, we see a lot, a lot, a lot of interest in data. Mm. Um, That's probably the biggest increment that I've seen in the past two or three years. Um, There's a lot of new um, cloud native startups that um, that are popping up that are in the space of AI, that are in the space of IoT, specifically in the hardware space. So there's a lot of business problems that people are trying to solve with IoT hardware. Uh, And there are a lot of schools and universities that are changing their curriculum to get more into the the analytics piece, the AI and ML, the NLP space. um, And they're catering their curriculum in that fashion. Okay. Um, So we don't see a lot of... um, from a technology perspective, we, we, we do see a lot of, I'll say this, I'll say it this way, we do see a lot of automation coming into play. Okay. Right? So it's an automation first mindset in this part of the world, um, whether that be for cost, whether that be for efficiency, um, take your pick. But companies and organizations in this part of the world really try to drive um, to take the human factor out. Okay. Right. They want the human factor in design, but in implementation and execution, it's all about software. It's all about RPA, right, around that robotics process of automation so that we can really drive out the outcomes. Got it. So so in the U.S., again, I'll just call it class, uh, 
classified as Western. Uh, when you think about all the different cloud options that a customer has, um, they tend to gravitate towards one singular cloud. Sometimes they'll have, you know, another cloud for a little bit of, you know, pricing honesty or capability um, differential. But that you, generally speaking, customers try to have end up with a favorite. Is it similar in the in the in the in the East as well? That's how it has been, and we're starting to see a trend more towards multi-cloud. Uh, so I was having a conversation with a, a customer um, yesterday, and he, he made an interesting comment. He said, in his industry, the trend is to find the right service from the right service provider. Mm. And that kind of struck me as odd because most of the applications in, in this industry are big monoliths, you know, sitting on premise and they're trying yeah. to transform and refactor. And as they're doing that, they're basically taking best of breed. So this, this particular customer has been a long time supporter of AWS. Um, they're now going into Azure and they have a little bit of Google. Um, and so he actually is kind of walking that, walking that talk. Um, and I'm starting to see this become more pervasive across APJ where it is becoming a price arbitrage conversation. Who's got the lowest price point for the capability? I can put marketing over in this cloud. I don't mind having IT sit in this cloud because I've automated how we move workloads. So that's yeah. not a concern anymore. I don't need bums and seats to actually click buttons. I can now have software do that for me. So my price point or my barrier to entry into these different clouds is greatly reduced. And I get cost efficiencies as I'm moving across. So that's kind of the thinking in this space right now. Got it. And when we were talking earlier, you used a phrase uh, when applying to this as well that I thought was was appropriate, and that was fit for purpose. Fit for Absolutely. purpose. Tell me, tell me, tell me uh, that mindset. So a lot of our customers um, are at a stage in the maturity cycle where they've either tested all of the clouds or they are testing the different clouds. So for them now, it's around finding solutions that they call fit for purpose, right? So um, I use an example from uh, one of the customers that's in the entertainment industry. Um, they are looking at Lambda um, specifically because they have a fit for purpose solution that actually allows them to remove 30% of their operating cost. So for them, fit for purpose is a cost factor, but it's also an efficiency factor. And what our, our hyperscale partners are have done is they've come with industry solutions that, mm. fit, that fit within the fit for purpose mindset. So if you're in utilities, you know, one of our partners has a, a solution that actually allows you to do smart metering differently than the other two. Okay. Um, and, and that's what they mean by fit for purpose, right? It's, it's fit for their business, and it's, it's that good enough analogy. Um, as I was speaking to a customer last week, um, and, and you'll find there's, there's customers are very interesting in their analogies. They use the Goldilocks complex when they were talking about the three hyperscale partners. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it, it, was, it was quite funny because one had too much capability, one <laughs> didn't have enough, and one was just right. And I, just I thought that right. was... I thought that was hilarious that they started off with one had too much capability. And, and what they were really trying to say was their level of maturity to, not ready. to to really take advantage of it. They're just not ready. They're not there yet. How many, how often do you run into companies that are that self-aware? I don't. I would say it's probably three <laughs> that I've run into. <laughs> right. And, and, and these, these organizations 
I will say, are on the very, very cutting edge of technology. Uh, one of these mm. one of these organizations is really trying to dabble in quad computing at a level that I haven't seen anyone really dabble in. Um, and, and, and that really drives some of that self-awareness um, yeah. because for them, it's really on, it's really about the return and for them to, to realize that return, they have to be honest and, and be transparent with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a, a pretty high level of maturity to be able to, uh, to, to be that self-aware in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you also mentioned um, that some of the industries that are doing some interesting things uh, in, in your region is in, in the gaming world. Um, you know, where are they from a cloud adoption uh, on the curve? So most of our gaming uh, clients prefer on-premise. So they prefer private cloud. Isn't that interesting? And when I first heard that, I was, I was shocked because you would think you, you, you take a company like Epic Games or Blizzard, the way they serve their customers or, or their end customers is online. It's in the cloud, yeah. right. uh, but most of their R and D, most of their development is done on on premise. And uh, I was talking to the the rep, and the reason for that is just stability, stability and reliability. Um, they've got in- amazingly tight timelines to get new revisions out um, for different features and new characters or different items that that go into the game. So for them, it's all around time to market. Right. And what they found is the ability to have something on premise gives them a better return and gives them a better outcome. Um, okay. So that's that's what we're seeing in the gaming world. Um, I, I would imagine as as that space matures, we'll start to see a little bit more creep in the public cloud. But for right now, in this part of the world, a lot of it is on premise. Now, now, when they're doing that, are they? Um, this is just the geek in me wonders this answer, and that is, are they are they running on raw machine power? Are they utilizing a hypervisor of choice? What what works in that scenario? Um, it's 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 horses for courses, right? So, mm. um, a few of them are running on bare metal. Um, okay, and and those are the larger uh, gaming organizations, the ones that are. I would say not as big, but have been in the industry just as long. Um, they have a hypervisor of choice. Um, and, and I'm starting to see that kind of move around a little bit, to be fair, right? So okay. originally it was all OpenStack, um, mm. running on KVM. And that was that was pretty neat and interesting because they could you know tune and configure different things to their situation. We're now seeing them move um, to more Hyper-V and, and VMware. Um, which is really, really interesting, right? Because if you think about right. what Racks to a license offers, model, yeah. exactly. So you, you think about how that plays into to what our products and services are from um, from that perspective. Um, it fits quite nicely, and I think the real benefit for them is they don't have to care and feed and monitor and maintain those environments, mm. right? So if you look at it from a from a an operational perspective. One of the reasons they come and talk to Rackspace is because we provide that end-to-end care for them, right? So we'll, we'll maintain it, we'll patch it, we'll update it. They don't have to worry about that. They can just worry about the applications that sit on top and having developers have you know stable access to those environments. Okay. Do you see a similar technology um, usage spectrum down uh, down there as you you'd find in the West? In other words, coming um, you know the cloud adoption curve from a, a technology like HashiCorp or you know what, what what do you see there? I think it's very similar. Um, 
to what you what you see in in the West. Um, many of our customers are on that journey, right? So <sighs> it's it's a it's an operational maturity. A lot of our customers who have taken the the big leap have you know uh, relationships with the HashiCorps, um, with um, Red Hat. You know they're using Terraform. They're using Ansible. Um, all the things cloud forms, right? Uh, but a lot of our customers, or, or many of our customers, I'll say it this way: many of our customers are a bit gun shy, right? So what they've done is they've outsourced it. So they've brought in a third party to actually uh, provide that service for them. And what we're seeing now is a trend to now insource that. Okay. Because they see the value. They've 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 passed the exam question, if you will. It's been beneficial. So now they're saying, okay, we'll bring it in-house. We'll actually build that capability out. Okay. Test the water. It works. The world didn't end. Now they'll invest. Exactly. So let's let's chat a little bit more. Let's go back to COVID for a minute. Um, you know, we, I think we, you've done a really good job of, of helping us understand what the, the, the cloud adoption market is like uh, in your part of the world. But how has, has COVID impacted that? We talked a little bit about how it's impacted the business environment, but how has it adopted, uh, impacted cloud adoption and, and such? So in this part of the world, it's, it's drastically accelerated it, mm. right? So many of our customers have adopted you know, one of the three work from home solutions, um, if they didn't have a solution already. Um, Many of them have used those work from home solutions to augment and even replace their existing work from home solution or their existing remote access solution, if you will. Uh, And that's driven, in my mind, it's driven a rethink of what the, the cloud strategies are. And it's really put a focus not just on cloud capability, but on cloud security now. Because many of our customers are coming to us and asking us, you know, what's the cybersecurity strategy? Um, mm. What is zero trust? I get that question probably, and I'm not being facetious here, 12 times a day from different, different customers. What does zero trust mean? How would I actually implement that? Um, and then we, we start getting into conversations of predictive versus reactive measures. Yeah. Um, and, and what does depth and defense mean, right? And those are all motherhood kind of concepts and statements. Right. But for for what we do day in and day out, it's really try to dig into the detail, right? So look at it from a perspective of what is the threat potential and then work our way backwards. Yeah. Have you seen more of a, of a drive towards SaaS-based offerings? You know, the in a traditional client-server world, we would have all working from home be forced to be on a VPN all day long. But in a world where it's more SaaS-based and driving our attention on a, from a product um, standpoint over towards identity and access management, if that's where our investment goes, then we can easily adopt a lot of SaaS stuff. Have you seen, have you seen a move in that space? I see it in strategy, but not execution. Uh, okay. And, okay. and in part, that's because many of our customers have, you know, COTS applications that they've then gone and customized. So unwinding. So it's not an easy change, yeah. Exactly. Unwinding that spaghetti ball is just really hard for them right now. And the cost to do so just doesn't fit the business case. Well, and it gets hard too because they probably went out and bought that COTS thing that was fit for purpose, but Absolutely. was extensible. And that's the, yes. the curse. And so they were able to tweak over, you know, in some cases, over decades. Uh, if you're, you're talking about older Oracle deployments and so forth, uh, but um, 
you know, it, again, going back to if they could, if they could go back to the mantra of fit for purpose, and then go and say, do I really need all of this stuff in uh, Oracle stuff in my HR system, or can I really just go get work day and, and exactly. be be good enough? Exactly, and and that's the that's the strategy is back to good enough, but right now it's perfect, and so they're having to unwind perfect, and and the conversations and and the guidance that we're giving them is to go outside in. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm going to challenge you to write an ebook on how to do this. And it's going to be called how to unwind perfect. There you go. <laughs> oh man. We'd, we'd, we'd sell that. I'd say I like hotcakes right there. It would, it would. And, and the analogy I use all the time is, you know, how do you eat a sandwich? You don't eat a sandwich from the middle. You eat it from the outside in. <laughs> I'm so stealing that. <laughs> and you know, there's been other, there's been other uh, terms for it. It's, you know, you have your core edge or your perimeter and your center, but at the end of the day, it's you you focus on the areas that don't have big impacts to your business that aren't going to be big risks to your business. Sure. Um, and that could be B two B or B two C little interfaces, or it could be a reporting engine. And as you do that, and as you chip away at it, what you under, what you find is you get to the business logic component that allows you to go find a fit for purpose solution that could be mm-hmm. cloud native or. I like the way you said it could have a COTS application that is, you know, minimally extensible. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Not too much. Um, and uh, so that's, that's super interesting when you think about it uh, of having to go back and, and really adopt that as a mindset um, in being able to, um, to, to pull those things apart. In fact, it's a way that I actually recommend a lot of people who are who have on a big um, data center presence and they want to go and do more cloud stuff. And there's there's the, always the, the conversation: Do I lift and shift, or do I modernize as I go? And my recommendation is always move and improve. Uh, where you're going to, you know, and by and large, you're lifting and shifting. Except you may get, you know, identity or one of these other things, right. or a little bit of SQL might become, you know, exactly. some uh, a database. But once it's there, now you can start to poke and pull from the the peripheral and grab those aspects that don't have to necessarily be a big thing running on a VM, but you can move into a serverless. You can start to containerize. At least you're in the same geography. Absolutely. And and that's the same premise that we give our customers as well, right? As you're moving, take advantage of the capabilities that are there. If you can turn off a capability that's bespoke and that has this big spaghetti ball mess, do so. Do so. Take the minor investment because it is a minor investment to go and look at, like you said, an identity solution or look at your security, right? Security is where a lot of the entanglements come from. Right. Um, so look at the security solutions that are out there. A lot of them are fit for purpose and probably exceed the current requirement that you have. Um, part part of the issue that, that we face here is m- most of the applications are really, really old and the organizations don't have the original source code. Yeah, that's hard. So for them to go in and maybe refactor or, um, you know, uh, turn off capability within the application. Can't do it then. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. So one of the things that I did in my former life was we would actually um, provide a service where we would do that for them. Oh, okay. Right. So we would we would think about what a refactor actually looked like if it's putting retry segments in code or actually writing 
um, new microservices that would take that new functionality for them, we would do that. Uh, and, and that's that's a space where in Asia, uh, and, and specifically in APJ, that's something that customers are actually asking for, especially the okay. bigger customers that, that have a lot of risk. Right. That's super interesting. Yeah, I always you 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 make the comment. You know, are you willing to invest a little now, spend a little now to get those those returns? And the way that I, I phrase that a lot of times with customers and, and and different people is to say, how much are you willing to spend to save? Because there is always an yes. investment, and and those savings coming in the form of hard dollar savings, but then also in top of line revenue that that now can exist because you have you sit on this platform that has all this additional capability, you could never have hoped to have had. Exactly. Uh, Antoine, this has been super interesting. I don't know how 30 minutes go so fast, but it always goes super fast. Uh, I really want to thank you for being a part of the program today. I hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend. Um, and, uh, and, and so here I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one last question. And that is, um, you know, advice to companies who are, who are, who are looking at that, uh, point of having of wanting to adopt the cloud, but they've got this monolithic old database. What's the f- or, or application? What's that first step that they can take on that journey? Oh wow, that's a that's that's a question that'll take another thirty minutes. <laughs> it really would be. It really would be. But let's just give 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 folks something to think um, about. What's the what's their homework? What are they gonna What are they gonna ponder? So what I would say is is if you're looking at cloud adoption, um. And, and you've got a big monolith. The first thing that I would do is, or the first thing I would tell customers, and I do tell customers this, is, is don't be afraid to jump into the pool, right? So look at the application as a whole. What can I move into the cloud? There you go. Right? Is it the app tier? Is it the web tier? Take part of the application and move it. I don't have to move everything wholesale, yeah. right? Cloud, is, cloud is, is, is very mature, and it can adapt to your requirements as you need to. Indeed it can. Well, Antoine, thanks so much for being on the program today. Incredible insights from half a world away, and we sure do appreciate it. Everyone, have a great day. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next time. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. How about that? Now, the one thing that you didn't know was that during that recording, Antoine's virtual background was the picture from his big old sailboat, really suffering for the cause down under. But all kidding aside, cloud transformation is just, well, cloud transformation. But it's fascinating to hear how geography and culture make such a difference in how a company approaches this type of systematic change. Well, now there's just a few short days left until the next installment of our Solve Strategy series. And this time it's focused on how COVID has caused shifting IT priorities and demands against IT and some of the strategies for dealing with the impact to cost governance. Just head over to solve.rackspace.com to register for the event. It's totally free, but you do need to register. Now I mentioned at the top of the show, but if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, well, I highly recommend that you do as we put new episodes out every week. And this way, you'll always have the freshest episodes on your phones ready to go whenever you have a free 30 minutes. 
Now, in our next episode, I have the distinct pleasure of visiting with an incredibly accomplished woman named Ty Hayes, who happens to be the CTO for the city of Atlanta. Here's a quick preview of that episode. So I walked into a city that had just gone through one of the biggest cyber attacks in a local government where the city was actually brought almost down, where they were not able to work at all. Um, the ransomware um, attack and this, all the systems were encrypted and, and so forth. So, but I, I, you know, walking in, I'm like, who's running this right now? Because you had a, you had an external uh, managed uh, security company and you had FBI and DHS was in uh, doing investigations on that big ransomware attack. I have had the opportunity to completely rebuild the city from the infrastructure to authentication to email to just just about every discipline in, in IT uh, we've had to tackle in, in a short time to get the city back up. That's next time on Cloud Talk.